Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today. And once again, welcome. What we're doing is we're going to continue the pre- with the preaching of the Word of God. But before we do that, uh, again, this is a season of uh, the year where we are intentionally trying to thank God and um, one another for all the blessings that God's um, shown us in throughout the year. And we just wanted to take time to say, even in the midst of the pandemic, thank you so much to all the people who've been so diligent and so hardworking in helping us to continue to come together as a people to worship God, honor Him, continue to advance his kingdom throughout the city to see key people get saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, added to his church. We want to thank our production team who actually helps us put together the services week after week. We wanted to thank our children's ministry and our worship team and also our community group leaders who throughout the week help us to continue to study the word of God to become better disciples going deeper in him. So um, we just honor every one of you for all the efforts that you've been making. We love you so much. And again, just wanted to say, thank you. But um, what we're doing today is we're actually continuing our series, which is entitled Sovereign. And last week, what we did is we started with uh, talking about God's sovereignty in the public sphere. Today, we're going to talk about God's sovereignty in our personal affairs. And it's important that we know this because we need to know God's interactions with us if we're going to relate with him properly. As opposed to what deists believe, God is not the proverbial clockmaker who has set the world into motion and then has left it to fend for itself. But God, on the other hand, is one who's intimately involved by his sovereignty in the affairs of men and women. And we want to honor him as such as we learn to love him, trust him, and obey him. And so our focus today is going to be this statement, that God's sovereignty in our personal affairs gives us reason to be thankful at all times in Christ. We're going to break this message down into three parts. We're going to first talk about the challenge of the proverbial thorn, which we'll hear about, spoken about by the Apostle Paul. Secondly, we're going to talk about knowing God's heart as we deal with the thorns in our lives. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about God's sovereign sovereignty and his grace. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that in all things, at all times, you are good and sovereign. God, we're asking you that through your word today, you would help us to embrace that and to live in the joy of that, even in the midst of our times of our pandemic. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start by talking about the challenge of the thorn. God is sovereign even in the midst of the thorn. And what we need to acknowledge is God's sovereignty in our lives as readily when we are being shaped by challenge as when things are going along swimmingly or with ease. This, meaning 2020 and the time of the pandemic, has been a time where people have been challenged not to lose their way. And it's been a weird type of difficulty. Because just as people have been facing the very real threats on their lives from COVID-19, at the same time, others have been 
facing the difficulty of the results of lockdowns and the restrictions that have been placed on them and their social interactions, their schedules, their life as they know it um, because of the pandemic. And after temporary reliefs, there even now are now reported spikes in our nation and it's giving people a sense of unease because uh, there's a vaccination that's being spoken about, but it's even going to be talk, um, a while before it can be distributed to the masses. And people feel like they're losing their footing, but at the same time, they're able to push a button and have their groceries and all their felt needs delivered to them by Amazon. And so it's a, it's a weird type of difficulty that we've been experiencing. It's been an emotional one. It's been a relational one. It's been one that obviously people have dealt with physically. And there are different degrees of difficulty in life. And even in this pandemic, we realize that people have had different degrees of challenge or difficulty. The goal, though, through this message is that as we study the Word of God, regardless of what type of difficulty you're experiencing, you will be able to approach God with the same type of confidence and grace that he's offered to the Apostle Paul and that he offers to us all. So let's open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're talking um, through a time where the Apostle Paul, who was used by God, after his conversion from a strict sect of Judaism, he is converted after his meeting on the road to Damascus with the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a, an ardent, a, a, a passionate, a, a, a devoted disciple of Jesus and ended up being used by God to write three-fourths of the New Testament letters. He was used by God to plant churches throughout the known Roman Empire at the time, which was mostly pagan. He was used by God to work signs, wonders, and miracles, seeing all types of healings and deliverances by the hand of God working through his ministry. So obviously he had a very close relationship with the living God, the type of relationship that we all want to have or that we all should want to have. At the same time, though, it's interesting that in this portion of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is talking about the challenges that even he experienced. And it's good that we reflect on things like this because uh, sometimes we have the misnomer in our minds that if we have a close walk with God, that will equate to a lack of challenge. Or if we have a close relationship with God or people who do really don't have any issues in their lives. And it's often discouraged people who are trying to follow God or walk with God because they feel like if I have any type of challenge in my life, then obviously things are somehow awry. Things are going wrong. But let's look in the scripture and see why that's not true. But in fact, why God's sovereign, even in the thorns that we experience in our lives. So let's start by reading in verse one. This is Paul speaking and he says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. 
On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I, I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Now, this is a scripture where Paul, uh, many scholars believe, is obviously in the first portion talking about himself. When he's talking about the person who had the surpassingly great revelations, he's off the, he's, they think that he's like an author who doesn't want to actually quote himself. But when he's talking about something that he thinks is inspiring or revelational, uh, <clears throat> he might say, I've once heard a person say such and such. And the interviewer, of course, knows if they've read their book that the person whom the author is talking about is themselves. And so here in the piece, we see that Paul is more than likely talking about great spiritual encounters that he had with the living God, being caught up into the paradise of God, the third heaven. But then at the same time, he says that but to keep him from becoming conceited, prideful, arrogant, because of the surpassingly great revelations that he had in the Lord, he was given a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to actually cause him trouble, to cause him some sort of grief, to cause him some sort of pain, to cause him some sort of anxiety that so much so that he went to the Lord again and again, having this great relationship with God and being used mightily by God. He went to God again and again and said, God, take it from me. He said three times he went to God asking him to take it from him. But God each time said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking it away. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And this is one of those scriptures that none of us like reading, but it's one that we desperately need to read if we're going to embrace God's sovereignty in all aspects of our lives. That Paul, though he was a man who was used mightily by God to do great feats for God, he experienced challenges that he needed to go through so that it would keep him from walking in a life where he felt like he didn't need God as much as he really did. And the truth is, is we all need those types of helps in our lives. Because if you have 
any type of strength about you, if you have any type of charisma about you, if you have any type of success that is coming your way, the unfortunate nature of fallen sinful humanity is not that we are quick to thank God for all that's going well. The natural proclivity is to drift from him, to say, I've got this. I've got this. I'm a self-made man or woman, and I can do this on my own. How many of us who are listening today have actually been in a place like that before, had any measure of success in life, and then the temptation was, like Paul, to become conceited and to think, you know what, I've pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and I can do it on my own. You see, that's almost the American way of life, right? Where we think that we're the rugged and the uh, the tough and we're the ones in the city of Chicago with the people with big shoulders who are going to make things happen no matter come hell or high water, what opposition we face. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is saying to Paul, I've allowed there to be a messenger of Satan. And Satan was the opponent of God, right? Satan was the opponent of God's people, but he allowed there to be a messenger of Satan to be a thorn in Paul's flesh, to cause him weakness so that he would be pressed into God again and again and again and say, no matter my success, I am not going to drift from God because I'm so desperate for him. Many scholars think that as um, we look at this, that it could be one of two things that yes, as Paul was preaching the gospel in the Roman empire, many times he was um, he was uh, greeted with persecution. He suffered all types of stonings, being beaten, being shipwrecked, being persecuted by his fellow people. He said that he faced all types of persecution as he was being intent on advancing and obeying God to advance the gospel of God. But some scholars think that because he was talking about a thorn in his flesh, it might have been even a physical ailment, a physical ailment that he had to repeatedly go to God over saying, God, heal me of this so that I can do your will. Why do we think this? Well, why do scholars think this is because even when Paul was talking to his disciple, Timothy, who helped him plant these churches, he told Timothy, hey, Timothy, stop having only water and have a little wine with your meal because of your frequent illnesses. Have a little wine with your meal, meaning that even though Timothy was a part of God's miracle ministry through the apostles, Paul's ministry. He said that he even experienced sickness at times, trials sometimes, things that happened in his flesh that caused him to realize his weakness and his need for God. And in this pandemic, everyone has been pressed to a point where they realize I'm coming to the end of myself in some way, whether it be emotionally whether it be financially, whether it be in my health, whether it be in my ability to feel like I'm in command of or control of my world, I need to now acknowledge my weakness and God's sovereignty. And so God will allow things like this in our lives for our good. As God was saying, even with the apostle Paul, to keep him from becoming conceited. Now, why is it such a big deal that he would be kept from conceit? Well, we know that the Bible often talks about the fact that pride comes before the fall and that God opposes proud men and women in life, but gives grace to the humble. And though God wants to love you, though God wants to 
relate with you. Though God wants to bring you into all the benefits of his kingdom and the salvation that he's provided through Jesus on the cross, what often keeps us from it is we feel like we have what we need. We're all together and we don't have need of what God's cooking up. We don't have need of what God's offering. And so our conceit actually keeps us from the author of life who will have to stand before one day in judgment. And because we were so full of ourselves, we were so, um, we were so empty in him. And when we stand before him, he'll have to give us what we deserve because of our rebellion against him. And God's saying, I will do what it takes. I will do what it takes to break you as an individual. I will do what it takes to break you as a society so that you might realize once again your need for me. God in everything that he does, does it for the good of those who love him. God in everything that he does, does it toward his ultimate end that we might realize his sovereignty and be reconciled to him. Now, when we often think about trials or what we would call a thorn in our flesh, we often in our theology think that if I am right with God, I won't experience suffering. But what we see in the scripture is that that's actually not true. And a person's theology that gives them a picture of life without challenge or trouble causes greater anxieties, issues, and problems because we think that something is wrong or that we're actually out of the will of God when we face those challenges. When we face a thorn in the flesh that might, in fact, according to Paul, be a messenger of Satan. But that's not true. Think about the Son of God, Jesus himself. Jesus ultimately was smack dab in the middle of the will of the Father when he went to the cross gave up his life, was beaten, was whipped, was ridiculed for the sake of the gospel, the good news that he would bring to us by a sacrificial death on the cross, taking the punishment for the sins, the death for sins that you and I deserve. Jesus was right in the middle of the will of God. And even when a well-meaning follower of his, the apostle Peter tried to encourage him otherwise, saying, Jesus, you'll, you're, doing, you're doing so much good. So much good is going on in your world. Why would you ever talk about any type of challenge or any type of suffering? Why would you ever talk about a cross? Jesus had to rebuke the one he loved, saying, get behind me, Satan, meaning Peter, because you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What did he mean by that? He meant simply that we as people only want ease, only want life without challenge, only want that which won't necessarily press us into God and our dependency on God in his sovereignty as we so need. But greater theology can actually lead you to greater peace. Could it be that you are actually in the will of God when you are experiencing a thorn in your flesh? Well, if we look at the example of both Paul and Jesus Christ himself, the answer is yes. And I like to call this my pizza delivery principle from Romans chapter 8, where in Romans 8, he says that for in all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And why do I call that my pizza delivery principle? It's because of the fact that I don't know about you, but from time to time, my family orders on takeout. And inevitably, about 50% of the 
time, what is delivered to us is wrong. And though I'm initially frustrated by things, I remember the commercials that tell me they are going to back up their orders. And so I call them, report the discrepancy, and when that happens, I end up with a double blessing. I eat the pizza that was poorly delivered, and then we get a credit for another pizza for free later. Now, I have got to say, do not take advantage of that. People of God, do not take advantage of that. But we've got to realize that God uses all things to form and shape Christ in us. God uses all things to give us a greater relationship with him. God gives us all things to open our eyes to his sovereignty. And this is why C.S. Lewis in his collected works actually said this. This is one of those sayings that I have on my phone as a reminder to me of the sovereignty of God, even in times of trial, difficulty, or the perpetual fight. C.S. Lewis said the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. And that is the truth of the matter, that a lot of times we we relate to the thorns in our flesh or the trials that we're experiencing as if this was somehow not the will of God. Somehow the challenge that I'm facing is somehow all the devil. Now it might be a messenger of Satan, but how about this? God in his sovereignty is involved in allowing it in your real life to help form and shape you. God's allowing it in your real life to one day give you a testimony as he doesn't leave you in that place, but brings you through it to actually somehow for the sake of his kingdom, glorify him through his power being revealed, through his sovereignty being shown, through his grace being released to you. And the key to remaining in that place is knowing God's heart in the midst of his sovereignty. What is God's heart in the midst of the trial that I'm experiencing and the the thorn that I'm experiencing in my flesh? Well, the truth is, is that God's heart of love and care for us remains steadfastly the same. It may not feel like it all the time. It may not look like it all the time. But the truth of the matter is God's word to us helps anchor us in his heart towards us. And it's imperative that we know God's heart towards us, even as we trust his sovereignty in our trials. Well, Rollin, you ask, how do I know what his heart is actually towards me? Well, beyond looking at the person and the work and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we can also look to his work. We're in things like Psalm 35, verses 27 and 28, this time out of the NIV. The psalmist was talking and he said, may those who delight in my vindication, meaning I was going through a trial and I'm vindicated. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises, God, all day long. 
And this is what God's saying, that even in the midst of his trial, the psalmist trial, even in the midst of Paul's trial, even in the midst of the Son of God himself, his ultimate trial at the cross, God's heart towards each of them, his heart towards you in this pandemic, his heart towards me, his heart towards all of us, is that he delights in the well-being of his servants. John the Apostle, who was the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, also spoke and reflected the heart of God when he spoke to the church in 3 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He said, The elder of the um, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Now we know that that doesn't mean that um, Christians are never going to get sick or they're never going to be challenged. But we do know God's heart expressed through John that he wants it to go well with us. And whether now or in the days to come, he says he wants the healing power of God to be ours. See, that's part of the beauty of the resurrection is that he gives us restored spiritual bodies, imperishable frames by like Christ whenever we put our trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. He says, through the power of the resurrection, you too will have a restored frame in him. So we can be thankful. And the issue of perpetual frustrations, misplaced faith, and dashed hopes is that we are trying to create heaven on earth on this side of eternity. But this is eschatologically problematic, and it's also emotionally draining. And just as God uses the historical persecutions of the church to separate nominal Christianity from authentic faith in Christ, so he uses trials within our lives to deepen our trust in him and devotion to him. It reminds me of what J.I. Packer, the theologian, said in his work, God's Plans for You. He says, God uses chronic pain and weakness, along with other afflictions, as his chisel for sculpting our lives. Felt weaknesses deepens dependence on Christ for strength each day. The weaker we feel, just like the Apostle Paul was talking about, When I'm weak, then I'm strong. He says, the weaker we feel, the harder we lean. And the harder we lean, the stronger we grow spiritually, even while our bodies waste away. To live with your thorn uncomplainingly, that is sweet, patient, and free in heart to love and help others, even though every day you feel weak, is true sanctification. It is true healing for the spirit. It is a supreme victory of grace. And this is the grace that God says was sufficient for Paul, even as he continually contended with that thorn in his flesh, that messenger of Satan. And it is going to be the same for you whenever you're dealing with any type of trial. And knowing God's end game, that his grace is sufficient for you is key. J.I. Packer said also in his book, Knowing God, that once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. And when we have a proper theology of God's sovereignty in the midst of the thorn and his heart towards us despite the thorn, 
then we can put our hope in the light at the end of the tunnel. That it won't always be this way, but God's using it to form you and shape you unto his ultimate ends. And until then, we are simply sojourners passing through, looking to his grace. And God's sufficient grace is not only available to us, but we know that as we learn to rest in God's sovereign grace, we are free to be thankful, a thankful people, turning places of weeping into places of great joy, the great joy that God provides for us by the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say this? I say this because there was a Psalm, Psalm 84 to be specific, where the psalmist was talking about our sojourning, our passing through in life, whether it be during 2020 in the pandemic or many years from now when the landscape of our world changes, we don't know how. And though we're enjoying certain privileges today as Christians, who knows what it will look like in the future. But we want to be people who are trusting in the grace of God that whether in good times of ease or in times of challenge where literally messengers of Satan come to act as thorns in our flesh, we are devoted to God supremely by his grace. Responding the same way the Apostle Paul did, saying, I'm going to delight in my weakness persecution, my hardships, even the calamities. Why? Because when I'm weak, he's strong. And I want God's grace, God's strength to be that which marks my life. And so in Psalm 84, starting in verse one, the psalmist said this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, the place where God dwells, that when we are weak, we're pressed into the place of meeting with God. God, I'm crying out to you. saying, I need you. I need you and there I can find your strength. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell, not just pass through, but dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, the place of worship. As they go through the valley of Baca, and Baca meant weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk up uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts 
in you. And that is the place and that is the confidence of God's in God's sovereign grace that he wants to have us in, where he says, literally, I want to press you through the circumstances of life. And Lord knows this pandemic season has pressed many of us in new ways. And hopefully for some of you, for the very first time to the feet of Jesus, to the feet of the cross, where you acknowledge your weakness and are completely forevermore dependent on him for his grace to continue forward. But what I've found in the, is that the greatest deterrent to my joy in life has co- usually comes what, by a feeling of a lack of control. And I'm by nature a fighter and we are absolutely supposed to be fighting for the promises of God in the kingdom of God as we advance his kingdom purposes. But the reality that we can fight while not controlling the outcome. Why? Because God is sovereign allows these two realities that God is sovereign and I can be joyful to coexist at the same time. You know, my daughter Mercy, as I've been talking to her through the pandemic, shared with me one of her favorite quotes by, which is attributed to uh, Dolly Parton of all people. And it says this, that storms make trees take deeper roots. Storms make trees take deeper roots. And I, if we're talking about a thorn in our flesh, those storms of life coming towards us, what happens is, is that when we'd be tempted to drift from God because of ease, the storms in life, the thorns in the flesh buffet us to give us a greater dependence on God. And the thing about trees is that their roots, every time a storm comes, go deeper. The roots go deeper every time they're buffeted by storms, so much so that eventually what happens is that when the storms come that would normally all knock over shallowly planted trees, the ones that have been buffeted by storms, the ones that have been buffeted by thorns in their flesh will not be moved because their root system is so deep. And that's exactly what God wants to do in our lives, not only during the pandemic, but long after. No matter what comes, God wants to know us to know rather that he's in control. He's in control now by his sovereignty. He's in control forevermore, not only in the public sphere, but in every aspect of your life. But you need to allow every circumstance to push you deeper into being rooted deeper in him. And if you'll choose to do that, you'll be an immovable unshakable force for the kingdom of God. That's who he wants you to be. That's who he wants me to be. That is what we're going to be to the glory of God. And so today, as we acknowledge God's sovereign grace in our lives, can we end with a word of prayer? See, the gospel clearly tells us that for those of us who've never made a decision for Jesus, today is the day of salvation that many of you have known trial and many of you have known problems in your life, but you've never really come to a place where you've allowed God's grace to be yours because you've resisted him in rebellion. But if today you know the damage that's been caused by the choices, the sin that you've made in your life, you don't want hell and you want to come to God in his grace today. Would you start by praying this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. And I know that I deserve death and hell because of my rebellion against you. And I know that not only have I known trouble, but I've caused much trouble because of my sin. 
but I don't want death and hell. And I admit to you today that you are the savior of not only the world, but my soul. And I admit to you today that I, I rather acknowledge that you sent Jesus to live the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. So that three days later through his resurrection from the dead, I might have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. God, would you forgive me today? Would you make me a new creation today? I proclaim Jesus as my Lord, and I'm asking you to teach me how to love you and live in your all-sufficient grace from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in God, along with a community of believers who every day depend on God's sovereign grace. For the rest of us, let me end by praying with this this prayer for us. And as we trust in God, even in the midst of the thorn, even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of this pandemic, may we be better rooted in him to love him, serve him, and to make him known to the world. So Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace towards your people. We thank you that you delight in the well-being of your servants. And God, we pray that they would be established All of us, my brothers and sisters alike, would be established in your heart towards us in every way at all times, no matter the good times or the challenges that we face. And may we run to you, God, run to you when we experience the fight of faith, that we might experience your grace, that in the midst of our weaknesses, our persecutions, our trials, we might be strong because we're found in you. God, we love you and we're so thankful that you're sovereign in our lives in Jesus name. Amen. Throughout this week, we're going to be continuing to talk about this topic as we join together in our community groups, both virtually and in person. If you haven't got to join one yet, please check out our website to see a couple of the options. In the meantime, we ask you to share this message with those who also might be um, in need of the encouragement of the word of God in their lives. But we want you to know that we'll be praying for you this week. Please do bring a friend next week who also needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And until then, God God bless you. We love you.